This is Sailor. Welcome to another episode of Metal Rock and Whiskey. Well, hello, hello, oh. gentlemen. Hey, everybody. We are here. We are here. We are here. We're why alive. It, I was going to say, why, <laughs> why is it so important that we're here? We're alive. Because we're That's here. We are alive, alive despite get... all the rumors. Yes. <laughs> There's rumors? Oh, my God. We have a new show? Yeah. What's happening? I'm so confused. I don't know. It's been one of those days, and it's only Monday. But we're happy that, (laughs) in all seriousness, we're happy that you're still alive, Sailor, being living up in the middle of the the germ zone up there in the Pacific (laughs) Northwest. Yes. Yeah, I really wasn't, I'm not someone that freaks out about that stuff, and I'm, I'm pretty, pretty healthy and not really an alarmist, um, but I gotta say, I'm starting to get worried, not about my own health, but um, definitely worried about people who, you know, are have a, compromised immune systems, and, you know, uh, mostly, though, I have to say I'm very worried about um, my industry. We're mm-hmm. already taking a huge hit, and it's really scary, um, so to all of the bars and restaurants all over the world that are being affected and the hotels and the convention centers and the caterers. Um, my heart goes out to all of you. I I'm feeling it as well. And, um, I'm, I'm hoping that people will spend their time being creative and trying to figure out how to help. Um, one of the best ways is guys, if you don't feel comfortable going to restaurants Download one of those apps, you know, Uber Eats, Grubhub, whatever. Um, Get takeout. They desperately need your business. Um, Workers in my industry don't get paid when they're not at work. We don't get paid vacation and paid sick time and severance pay. And um, often bars and restaurants are are living week to week themselves. Um, It's just the nature of business. And, uh, you know, not everyone has reserves for something like this. So um, if you do feel comfortable going out, please think about, you know, your local watering holes as well. Go uh, buy yourself a beer or buy a friend a beer or or a whiskey. Um, But yeah, be creative, be smart, you know, make sure you bring your own hand sanitizer and um, you should start seeing those, I think pretty much everywhere right now, hand sanitizers and Lysol wipes, and you should see your bars and restaurants doing extra steps, um, to make sure that you're safe and protected. And that's very important. Um, but I think if you're healthy and this is just my opinion, I am not a doctor, I am not a scientist. 
But for me, I think if you're healthy and you take the proper precautions, you're going to be okay. So yeah. And let me just say that for those listeners who have been living under a rock for two months or so, we are talking (laughs) about coronavirus, obviously. I think everybody knows that by now. Yeah. Okay. I'm just saying. <laughs> Pretty I'm sure. Saying. Yeah. I mean, they're, it's possible, but they might not yeah. have internet. But you know what? Internet. When they're they're listening to this, they dig up this archive 20 years in the future. <laughs> they're going to want to know what the heck we're talking about. And there are about. probably some dummies out there that don't listen to anything or watch any news or, you know, who just, you know, listen to listen, podcasts all day. Just listen and, to Metal yeah. Rock and Whiskey. Oh, <laughs> exactly. If, if all they yeah. do is get their, uh, their news from COD podcast god help them seriously (laughs) then i got some news for you (laughs) and i will say something i will say something about this as well being in the retail industry and sailor will second me on this a thousand percent if you think buying vodka as a substitute for hand sanitizer is okay do not buy it despite what you read on the internet no that is correct yes it is not the proper alcohol percentage for you to actually use it and have effectiveness as hand sanitizer. So look for something yeah, that's take above that money and spend it on bourbon. Yes. Yeah. Good yes. barrel proof bourbon. Yes. So um, there are several uh, videos on YouTube that show you how to make your own hand, hand sanitizer and they're using isopropyl alcohol. Um, you do your Googles and be diligent and understand that you cannot use um, an 80 proof spirit to sanitize your hands. It does not work like that. No. And even Tito, as much as I hate the brand, um, actually released an official I know, I saw um, that. press release saying, do not buy our vodka to, to use, use a hand sanitizer. Yeah. In, in, yeah. in turn, probably, you know, not that he needs the money or anything, but probably killed sales for, you know, probably additional sales for people just trying to look to buy something, but I'm sure I'm yeah. sure, but he doesn't, like I said, he doesn't need the money. So, no, no. I mean, you know, if you can't find hand sanitizer, just just get a good old bar of soap and wash your hands. Yeah, not, not that you shouldn't have not that you shouldn't have been doing that already. Apparently, but, yeah. as we're seeing, that was not <laughs> happening for some yeah. reason. Yeah. I will admit that I've never been an excessive hand washer because I feel um, I never use hand sanitizer before and. Anytime I would have friends or my sister, sorry guys, and they'd be like, make sure you sanitize their hands. I was like, no, because you kill the good bacteria as well. And yes, I firmly do. believe that's how you get super bugs and, you know, all the antibiotics in our foods and taking antibiotics. You know, if I have to take it, of course, I absolutely take it. If it's something that, you know, it is, will do me harm, I will take an antibiotic if I have to. But I really haven't had to. And I think it's because... I've allowed my own immune system to be strong and healthy. Um, so uh, I I did not sing happy birthday twice before t- to wash my hands. So I don't know if that makes me gross or not, but I'm not someone who gets sick all the time. So fine with me. Um, but I definitely do it now. Anyway, le- <laughs> we're not here to give medical advice. We are not here to give no, medical we advice. We, so. we, we, we don't claim to be medical professionals. We're just saying... As Sailor said, go out and support. Yes, please yes, go out and support. That's the most important takeaway. Go yes. out and support your local watering holes and yes. restaurants. And depending on the state you live in, you can actually have alcohol delivered to your home. So um, do a Google search of that. Washington State is one of them. Um, and uh, like I said, you can use you know pizza delivery or takeout. Think about, try not 
to do the chains first because they can they can have they have more money and access to a little bit more help than a mom and pop does so think about your favorite mom and pop restaurants and also another thing that's really important please don't be racist right now to asians that's just absolute bullshit uh you know Asian people are not more infected with any virus than anyone else, just like white people aren't. And I've been seeing a lot of that um, out there, and it's just awful. Um, I am making it a point to visit all of my favorite Asian restaurants right now, and I can tell you they are hurting more than anyone else, and there's no reason for it. So please think about your Asian restaurants um, when you want your next meal yeah it's 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 crazy that in the year 2020 folks we still have to say things like that it's crazy you know that that thought never even crossed my mind that's how crazy it seems good for you you brought that up i'm like what are you talking about why would anyone but okay we we explain it that way then yeah i suppose there'd be some people that would Unfortunately, it's a lot. It's a lot of people. I've heard from um, several servers and bartenders. You know, I mean, we have a lot of uh, online groups and just terrible stories of people being very racist to them. And in areas where you have a large concentration of Asian populations, like in the international district in Seattle, these but their people are just saying awful things to them, trying to boycott them, not frequenting them at all. And so I mean, you you one you go one day from the next without business, and um, it's absurd. So just everybody needs to just calm the fuck down, wash your damn hands, do whatever you feel is necessary to protect yourself. But there's no reason to harm other people and be a racist asshole right now. That's my nope. PSA. That's my TED talk. Thank you for coming. <laughs> <laughs> the best one I've ever heard. So, all right, enough about the coronavirus. And by the way, who else is singing in their head? My my, my, my corona. (laughs) I will be now. Yeah, seriously. (laughs) Oh, God, I don't even feel bad about it. So let's talk about interesting news before we get going tonight. Um, Anybody have anything they want to talk about before I delve into my two stories? Well, we kind of uh, talked about what's dominating the headlines, so yes. uh, let's get into a little more light, lighter affair. Uh, well, I believe we had a birthday on the network. We did oh, have a birthday. That's yes. not news. HBD Edward, you Thank turned you. the big three O yesterday. Yeah, <laughs> yes. that's right. You're yes, welcome. This, whole, this whole time, folks, he was younger than I was. <laughs> See, Ed and I are just screwing with Matt. We just pretend yeah, like we're so much yes. older than him. But in fact, we're younger. And <laughs> if you have like a 20 year fudge factor in there. Even if, even if we've whatever. we'd never disclosed our ages, we could if you'd been listening to the shows, you'd figure out who was younger and who was older by now. Yeah, you can kind yes. of infer from the discussions. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, it's all a lie. We are the youngins. We are mil- no, we're not. What are millennials? Not anymore, right? See, I can't even fake it. I don't even know what the hell you call thirty-year-olds oh, anymore. What I don't know what is it? Generation? What is it? What right now for the yeah? What? If you're thirty right if now, you're, you're a generation. Gen I think it's a aren't they millennials? No. What are we beyond that now? 
We're beyond so that. Actually, I'm sorry. 30 is, is uh, millennials. I'm not a millennial. I'm a zennial, uh, technically. Okay. We're Gen Xers because- yeah. You're Gen, Gen Xers, yes. Yes, we're definitely right. Gen yeah. Xers. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't think the thirty-year-olds are millennials. Right? Yeah, it's, oh, are it's they? after it's Maybe after right. eighty. It's after eighty-six. I think technically, oh, well, gotcha. what they say, yes. I feel like so. old. I feel like boomers call everybody a millennial that isn't fifty. Honestly, that's why I don't know who the millennials are anymore. They're just want it yelling. Yeah, grumpy it, at it, it seems like it's just come down to like you're either people calling someone a boomer or a millennial, yes. one of the two. Yes. anymore <laughs> oh my god um all righty then so ed how was your birthday birthday was good speaking of uh supporting your local businesses we went and uh, had a nice dinner at 312 chicago my favorite uh italian restaurant in chicago and Very we nice. saw pictures of your delicious meal and your delicious cocktails yes they were very very delicious the uh what the one cocktail is like a whiskey cocktail um it was with monkey made with monkey shoulder and had like walnut bitters in it it was just fantastic and there was another one with some uh, cutty sark scotch and also had a little bit of sherry and um fig uh like a fig syrup bitters it was that would fantastic. definitely make that cutty sark better that's for sure so <laughs> Oh, shitting on the cutty. Wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I've yeah. never had it neat Damn. before, Don't. so I have no idea. Don't. You're not missing anything. Stick okay. to that oh, monkey shoulder. Right. We'll, we'll have Stick to have a to conversation. <laughs> we'll have to have a conversation about this off air. Oh, we will. No, <laughs> let's like, do it I on air. Cutty. I haven't liked the cutty. Ugh. No, thanks. That, that monkey shoulder will do you right, though. That's right. the good stuff. Well... What about some important news? We Enough had a birthday. Trivial stuff. We, so let's see. Let's. We had a birthday. We have a virus right now. Um, we had a terrible tornado that affected one of our podcast family members. Yeah. Um, yeah so I just want to talk true. about that a little bit because, um, again, uh, I'm going to talk about the industry a lot for a while because I don't know if most, it, you know, it's been really interesting when the tornado happened and now with this virus, I keep hearing from people, oh, I didn't realize it. I didn't think about the restaurant industry or the service industry. It didn't occur to me. And so we are called the unseen industry. So the people who wash your dishes or wash your glasses at bars, line cooks, um, waitresses, as they're still called, and waiters, which the correct term is servers, um, bartenders, uh, we are called the unseen. And that is because when you think about natural disasters, what do you think about first? What image pops into your mind? Who's affected? And people's homes, right? You're thinking of homes. Yeah. Mostly. Because that's what they show on the news typically. And, and it's terrible to lose your home. Absolutely terrible. I have been in a tornado and I have had a house fire. And I can tell you the tornado, thank God, didn't hit our house, but my the house fire destroyed my house. So I know what it's like to wake up the next morning and you realize, oh, my God, I don't own anything. I don't own a toothbrush. I don't own a pair of underwear. Like, I have nothing. Losing your ability to have income is far worse. Um, that is even scarier. 
So what happened after this tornado and what is different really that I'm so proud of Nashville for this is they have decided they're not going to let the unseen industry be unseen anymore. And now they're doing the same thing with their um, black neighborhoods in Nashville. Um, Many bars and restaurants were destroyed the night of the tornadoes. And um, our lovely Kayla Cocktail, who is one of my co-hosts on Pretty Good for a Girl and Love on the Rocks, she happened to be in a bar. And we're going to talk to her about this on Pretty Good for a Girl soon, the night of the tornado and had to hide in the bathroom. And thank God she was okay. The tornado was literally feet from her and destroyed her car, um, damaged the restaurant she works in a little bit. They were able to open a few days later. But um, we lost um, some beautiful, um, sorry, still hard to talk about, uh, beautiful bartenders that night that didn't make it. And they were part of the Uncle Nearest Whiskey family and just some gorgeous bars and restaurants. And um, like I said before, with the virus, you, you don't have any severance pay. You don't have access to unemployment. You don't have, there, there is no fallback for you. Um, and if you think about some of these people that are working hourly wages um, at will employment and support families, it's very devastating. So um, the spirits industry in Tennessee and the, the city of hospitality, which Tennessee is, Nashville is a city of hospitality. If you've ever been there, it's probably one of the most hospitable cities in the country. Um, you know, everyone's banding together. The United States Bartender Guild of Na- Bartenders Guild, sorry, of Nashville um, jumped into action to help out. Um, and so I'm doing the same thing in Washington. That's my whiskey home, of course, because the Uncle Nearest Distillery is in Tennessee. It's about 45 minutes south of Nashville. So we we all try to spring into action. And the beautiful thing is that the bars um, and restaurants and bartenders were so eager to help. So we put together a special cocktail here in Washington State, um, along with Campari. Thank you, Campari. Um, And uh, the proceeds will be going to the Nashville USBG Bartenders Guild. Um, to help out. So um, if you have an extra dollar or two, um, if you would think about the service industry people, I would really appreciate it. Um, you know, uh, seniors are, are thought of and, and even animals these days, believe it or not, more than industry folks. So you can, uh, we'll post a link um, to this on social media and in the show notes. It's the, um, if you want to just do a Google search, it's the um, Nashville um, U.S. Bartenders Guild, and they have a GoFundMe, and um, it's literally going to help people um, in many ways. And um, Kayla will be talking about that soon, a little bit more, um, being on the ground herself. So, just wanted to put that out there a little bit. Um, thank God, you know, we're so happy she's okay. And um, mm-hmm. you know, actually, let's just give a moment of silence to the people that lost their lives. Um, in Tennessee that night. So a little uncomfortable having dead air like that. So, um, yeah, we'll just send our best thoughts. Oh yeah, it so, should be uncomfortable. That's I know nothing compared to what those people have been through. Yeah, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. Yep. 
All right, let's let's move on. Um, I didn't mean to bum everybody out, but uh, you know it's really important, and uh, I know that our listeners are very giving people, so I appreciate everyone listening. Uh, we have a little update on um, the petition that I mentioned, uh, and we'll continue to mention on the show. Um, so, D. Snyder, he is a friend of Metal Rock and Whiskey. As some yes. of you guys will know, um, if you're if you're a Twitter fan, you might see him and I tweet at each other often. Um, he has a petition that he's supporting um, to have ACDC play the Super Bowl. Um, this is a discussion we're going to keep having on the show, but uh, you know, there there's a lot of criticism about what bands and style of music is chosen for the Super Bowl. And I think just the easiest thing would be let's have several different styles of music played at the Super Bowl, perhaps. Um, But a lot of people feel like rock hasn't been represented enough, and that's fair. So um, the petition now has almost 40,000 people who have signed. um, And uh, there's a lot of controversy surrounding this. But um, I'm I'm curious to watch how this goes down. He had a lot of negative press in the beginning, and he was able to turn that around because he's very he's very well spoken and very articulate. Yep. Yep. And um, he the press was absolutely in the wrong this time, uh, and he was in the right. And they they uh, and he stood up for himself and just wouldn't back down until his words were straightened out and um, they were, people were, were reporting as they should have been because he had everything in writing and he had the receipts and he's like, no, fuck you. I didn't say that. Here's what I did say in black and white, fix it. And uh, good for him. It's how it should be. Now, he's always been a great voice for, you know, the genre and, you know, yeah. freedom in general, freedom in general. Yeah. If you want, if you want want to make it very broad, yes. Freedom of speech in general, Absolutely, you know, I mean, and, and just, yeah, very articulate and, and I can, and I can see how, you know, in this day and age where we scan more than read, you're going to see an older white guy who seems to be shitting on, um, you know, women who, who, uh, were the main event, music event at the Super Bowl last year or Latina women. And you got to read people. You got to read deeper because that's not what happened. Yeah. And if you don't Um, know, he's one of the more intelligent people in the business. I mean, by far, by leaps and bounds. He's highly, highly Over some of his contemporaries. Yes. 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 I could see a statement like that coming from other rock people. And I would have been like, yeah, fuck you, dude. You know? Um, and And I did at first. Uh, when I saw that came across the tweet, I was like, what? And then I read it. I'm like, oh, thank God. Okay. Yeah, when I read yeah. the whole thing, I was like, oh, that's no, he, it's not what he was saying at all. No, he's so, not, he's not putting something out there unless it's well thought out and, and, you know, yes. correct. Yes. Yep. Correct. Um, the interesting thing I'll say is that if you read a lot of the comments on it from people who's, who have signed, I'm signing because for example, I'm signing because we need a real music act to play. He will respond to that and say, no, that's not why you should sign. You should sign because it, there hasn't been a rock act in a while. And someone like ACDC before, because we thought they were done and they're not like, let's get them while we can, because it's probably the last time they could ever do this. Um, and let's represent rock. 
so I really appreciate that he goes that extra mile to continue to educate and correct people. Like, yeah, thank you for supporting my cause, but you can't do it because you're an asshole. So, exactly. In true D form. <laughs> so that's that news. A um, little bit of whiskey news, guys. All right. Always love this- whiskey news. Yeah, this one comes from the Whiskey Cast. Um, one of our very good friends of the show, Mark Gillespie. I absolutely adore him and got to hang out with him a couple weeks ago in Seattle when our master blender was in town and um, he interviewed Victoria for his show. Um, we got to get him on the show. Mark, I'm. this is a shout out. I'm going to get you on the show. Um, come on, Whiskey Mark. Cast, he'll... <laughs> Come on, he has to. Um, I've been invited into his whiskey cave if I'm ever in Pennsylvania. So I'm going to make sure I make it to Pennsylvania this year because his whiskey cave must be pretty damn amazing. It's like the back cave. I know, right? That's what he calls it. He calls it the back cave. (laughs) (laughs) Um, All right. So, man, this is going to be a rabbit hole. So get ready. I have a lot of very strong things to say about this upcoming story. So um, whiskey industry veterans jailed in Idaho after sting operation. Oh, (sighs) interesting. So this story, yes, this story broke on March 1st. Um, You guys know Secret Spirits? They're Canadian. Really? Hmm, Okay. It's it's secret spirits. It must be a really good secret. <laughs> yeah. I don't know about it. Uh, so they are Calgary. If they're, Cana- if they're Canadian, they should stay a secret. Well, oh, oh, oh. shots fired, Canada. Man, Once not the again, first time we love Canada. Yeah. Oh my God, I haven't looked at our Canadian numbers lately, Ed. We're gonna have to take a look at that and see if we need to do some damage control. But I'm definitely not helping right now. Sorry, neither am I. Um, okay, so. The founders of this brand were literally jailed in the state of Idaho after they were arrested on charges of illegally selling whiskey to undercover state liquor agents. Now, let, let, let me preface this with a couple of things. Um, Idaho is on the border of Canada. Idaho has a panhandle. Everybody tends yeah. to think of Idaho as Boise and a desert with potatoes, but that's not the panhandle. <laughs> That's truly. So I thought of the same thing. The panhandle is basically Washington state or Montana. It's right in between Washington state and Montana. And it looks like Washington state. It's very tiny little panhandle. So it borders on Canada. Just to give you guys a frame of reference, Idaho. You know, I don't really know. My parents live there and I really don't know. It's probably something like that. Um, but Idaho is also a control state. And so for those of you that don't know what that means, you don't have free and open liquor laws in a control state. The state owns the liquor until it's sold to the consumer and they have very strict laws. For example, me as the supplier, I can't do in-store tastings of alcohol in stores in Idaho. Um, There are no independent liquor stores in Idaho. They are all state agencies. Um, When you, when the alcohol comes in, you know, we're talking about, you know, bottles of, for 
Tito's or Jack Daniels or whoever, they sit in a bailment warehouse, which is owned by the state and the state owns that liquor. Um, so very, 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 very strict. So why they did this in such a state blows my fucking mind. Um, because distilling in the state of Idaho, as with many other states in the U.S., has not been legal for a very long time. And that tends to make everything a little more um, a little more oversight on liquor in general, because there's this puritanical outdated idea like, oh, people are just going to be like giving away buckets of booze from the distillery for free to people. Because, yeah. <laughs> Distilling is so fucking cheap, and they want to give away their booze. Right. All right. That's then. what they love doing is giving away all their profits. Giving it away for free. We love getting people wasted and, you know, we whatever. So, okay. So they were, <laughs> they were, they're facing. Now, when you fuck with alcohol laws, it's felony charges, my friends. Felony charges. So they have been charged on criminal conspiracy and selling liquor without a license. Um, so they were held in a jail that is just a few minutes from me. And um, <laughs> they were on $100,000 bond, so I'm sure they got out right away. Uh, so they've been fixtures in the Canadian whiskey, whiskey industry for a long time. Um, so they definitely know better. Let me just tell you, because before they even founded Secret Spirits, they owned an import um, company and uh, called uh, Purple Valley Imports. So um, so the agents, undercover agents, seized more than 100 bottles of scotch from a storage unit that these guys had. And um, they don't have a federal license to, A, have those bottles, be transporting them. Um, be storing them or selling them, right? You have to have a special mm -hmm. license to do that in most states. Um, so they said, okay, their argument was that they were trying to get rid of all of the stock that was being held up because of the new trade disagreements. Mm -hmm. And they weren't able to get them into Canada, so they needed to just offload them in the U.S. What? Stock customs. <laughs> Like, no, they were in their storage unit. They were in their storage unit. So who knows how they got them? I don't even know. Like, yeah. Um, so then they found out that these guys have shipped um, a large amount of this whiskey from their storage unit to people all over the U.S. And, uh, uh, yeah. So they were, they were telling customs that what was in the boxes was blown glass from Scotland. <laughs> How fucking stupid are you? Well, it just happened to contain a little bit of hooch, but uh, that, that's not important. It's the they, glass. You really, yeah. yeah. You really think boxes of shit from Scotland, no one's going to think this might be whiskey? Get the fuck out of here. Yeah. Come on. It's like, what else like, are you getting from Scotland? Like, seriously. I'm sorry, but these guys, Killed they deserve them. they deserve to go down for this. But let me tell you what, what pisses me off about this is. So, <laughs> distilling is very new in the state of Idaho because when these states release all these stupid fucking laws that have been on the books since Prohibition, they make it very hard and very expensive for people to distill. 
in the state. Very hard to distribute it. I mean, I like for us, for me, Uncle Nearest, distributing in Idaho is so incredibly hard. In any control state, it is just brutal. Really, really brutal. And it sucks for the people living in the state because they don't have access to what everybody else has access to. And it's just fucking unfair. But douchebags like this help to keep those laws in place. Like they just fucked it up. I can't, I can't, I don't even want to know what the consequences, the long-term consequences for suppliers, distributors, and manufacturers of spirits in Idaho is going to be because now they get to say, oh, see, see, we knew this was going to be cause illegal activity. See, we told you this was going to be a problem. Great. So these guys fucking suck. And I'm sorry, but they deserve to go down. And I hope they pay. And I hope they pay big because they just fucked it up for the rest of us. So you guys suck. Any progress made has been set back. Yes, for sure. Because of a couple douchebags. Couple douchebags. <sighs> Isn't that the way it usually goes? Totally. Always. Yeah, everybody suffers for a couple of douchebags. You know, like we make laws on what could potentially happen and for the few things that have happened, which is a whole other story. Don't get me started. I'm already <laughs> I'm already riled up. Just <laughs> hot and bothered right now. I'm hot and bothered. Um, all right, I'm done. That's it. I decided to bring back the news this week for some reason. Who knows? That's fine. Matt, over to you. Well, I mean, before we get into what we're drinking, shouldn't we mention what we're, the fuck we're talking about tonight? Uh, oh, yeah, I guess so. I guess, yeah. right? Yeah. It just so happens that tonight we are going to be discussing a certain Danish black metal band known as Merciful Fate. And also, we will be discussing their lead singer, who eventually went on to have a solo career, also known as King Diamond. And we will cap it all off with an epic album battle, putting Merciful Fate's 1983 album titled Melissa up against King Diamond's 1988 album titled Them. So real quick, just I have to make a correction (laughs) I wouldn't call King Diamond the lead singer. I would call him the band overlord or the <laughs> polarizing yes. figure of metal music. Like he is, he's an entity of his own. Dude, I love. Uh, I think you guys I would agree. Love that you use the word entity. <laughs> yes, you took, you took something very important from my notes, and I'm so glad you we'll, said that. We'll get into that. Yes, yes. There's going to be a lot of talk of entities tonight. Yes. Uh, Ed, you might want to pull out some Elijah Craig. Yeah, or a rosary yeah, I, or something I've been like that. gathering that from what I've been, uh, <laughs> been hearing from this band. This boy's got some street cred we're talking about tonight. <laughs> oh, he certainly does. Yes. With the devil down under. Yes. Now I'll talk about what we're drinking. So, as always, we go around the horn, talk about what we have in our glass. After all, it is metal rock and whiskey. Just because it's third in the title does not mean it's least important. So, Definitely not. Not at all. 
I believe Sailor has a whiskey segment tonight, so I do. we're going to save her for last. Oh, don't worry. I'm not drinking what's in my whiskey segment. <laughs> oh, all right. Then you go first. <laughs> no. Why I'll do I ever go off. first? All right, Ed, go first. I'm excited about this because this is one I've been wanting to try for a while. And um, Mr. Whiskey Obsessor, save the E, was nice enough to send me a sample bottle of some Heaven Hill bottled in bond, which is yes, seven year age stated. And I tell you, I was already a fan of the Heaven Hill Green Label, and this is like that plus. I'll tell you what. So, bottled in bond. For those who of you who may not be familiar, um, there's a few simple rules. Bottled in bond. The ones that are the most important. It has to be aged at least four years. Um, it has to be 100 proof, not more, not less, 100 proof, and it has to be stored in a bonded warehouse, and I believe all the grains have to be from a single source in a single growing season. So I think that checks most of the boxes. But anyway, yeah, this one just happens to be seven years old, as I said before, and is, um, yeah, very fantastic for um, and the gr- the green label bottled in bond. What's the age on that? It's not bottled in bond. It's I'm a sorry. six year. Okay. And it is. I think it was ninety four proof, if I memory serves me. But um, the value on that bourbon is ridiculous. Yeah. Um, you can. I think that's the, the reason you can only buy it in Kentucky. Because it's so ex- inexpensive. It's yeah. so inexpensive. Picture buying. Um, a 1.75 liter bottle, I even call it bottle jug of whiskey <laughs> for $24 and it's a six year age stated bourbon. I mean, get out of town. Yeah, right. Where, yeah, it's, it's just crazy, crazy value right there. Mm-hmm. So good. I love that bottle. It's one of the best bottles I've bought in the last six months or so. It's such a By good far. bottle. So yeah. good. Mm-hmm. I agree totally. If you can find it, pick it up. Yeah, yep. Oh, and interesting about this, I also heard the uh, the bottle and bond seven year. They just kind of went opposite on this. You can find this outside of Kentucky. Yes, but I don't believe they released it inside of Kentucky, which is interesting. Yeah, they said they were going to do that. I don't a couple years ago. I think um, it's been yeah, interesting, very interesting uh, experiment. Yeah, it didn't it didn't make a lot of people happy from what I hear. No. So I imagine. Yes. How does it feel? Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> Sheesh. Sherry <laughs> bastards. Right. God. How about you, Matt? What you got in your glass tonight? Oh man. So even though I didn't have the whiskey pairing tonight, I felt like I had to try and find something in my bar that would at least sort of equate to the gentleman that we're speaking of tonight mostly so i had a bottle of glenfiddich fire and cane and i'm Mm. sipping on that right now so that's one of their experimental series and it's the um smoky kind of sweet balance in that bottle uh which you know i think is a good um descriptor of the gentleman we are talking about tonight a little bit of fire, 
a little bit of sweetness. Now, isn't wasn't the cane part? Is that because some of the some of the whiskey in there was um, finished in rum barrels? Cor- is that where they get the cane, the sugar cane? Correct. Yes, correct. Okay. And of those three releases that they've done, the I guess the experimental twenty and the IPA cask, and then the fire and cane. Uh, this is one A. I still got to put the, the experimental twenty ahead of that. Uh, just that's just one of the best scotches I've tasted in the last ten years. But um, I think we talked about that with um, with Mark when we had Mark mm-hmm. on the show. We and did. That's one of his favorites too. Yeah. But um, yeah, Fire and Cane, a really really close second by a hair, just in that series. Oh, Very different scotches. And- yeah. Fire and Cane is. <sighs> I mean, oh my gosh, that that when that came out, I lost my mind over that thing. Yes, oh, I got to try some of that. I got to work with it for like I think a month before I left the East Coast. Yeah, and Ed, if Remember? you could, <laughs> if you could find it, it's only about fifty five dollars. I don't know what it would be in Illinois. If you I, can find it, if you can I find have it, seen yeah. it on the shelf before, um, but uh, yeah, I'll have to look for it again. Sorry. I just took a sip of something so amazing. <laughs> she did about uh, just because right. you guys can't see it. She did, gonna... she did about seven or eight fist pumps. Hardcore yeah, that fist in a row was really. Yes, you may have heard the air wishing <laughs> yeah. on the mic. It doesn't but... make great, uh, great podcast, but no. <laughs> not good sorry. radio, but a great visual. Yeah. Yes. Let me talk about what I'm drinking before. <laughs> Actually, no, let's not. I'm going to make what I'm drinking right now a chaser to my whiskey segment. How about that? All right. That's fair enough. Because we're going to need it, I feel like. <laughs> oh, so boy. because oh, we're talking about, well, you'll see. Uh, because we're talking about Merciful Fate, King Diamond tonight, it, I, I really had a hard time deciding which direction that I wanted to go with this. Um, there were a lot of options. Uh, there's a lot of different ways I could go based on my feelings about this band or King Diamond himself. Um, so this is this is where I landed. <laughs> I'm going to pair a whiskey that has been around since 1780. Um the annual sales top about 7.3 million cases a year uh, worldwide. Um, and let's just talk about my beginnings with this whiskey before I reveal what it is. It is an Irish whiskey. And um, I can remember when I started to get into whiskey um, as a young gal Uh, working as a bartender and wanting to understand the things that I was pouring. Uh, I had just uh, left a crappy uh, Mexican chain. I I hate calling it Mexican. American (laughs) Mexican faux chain. Mexican inspired. Yeah, yeah. That's a much better way to say it. uh, Called Chichis. And went to a legitimate steakhouse um, bar and restaurant, and I was very intimidated. All of the, well, not all, most of the servers and bartenders were like career. They were all much older than me in their 30s and 40s and knew their shit, knew what they were doing. And not only was I young and green, but I didn't eat steak. <laughs> I didn't, I, I didn't eat meat. And so I had, but you have to sell it. 
And you, I mean, this is one of these places where you sit down with the chef before every shift and he tells you about the different cuts and the specials and you have to be able to explain it to guests. And um, I lied when I, in my interview and said that I loved steak and um, would always just (laughs) somehow like take off to go to the bathroom when everybody had to taste the steak. They finally figured it out. But um, this is, so I, I had to deal with a lot of whiskey. Um, and this is the 19, early nineties. So we're not talking about a large amount of American whiskey. We're talking about blended scotch, uh, blended Canadian whiskey, Irish whiskey, and a little bit of a, a little bit of bourbon. So I remember being tasted on this specific whiskey and thinking, Ooh, this is so different than anything I've tasted before. Cause I had only really tasted bourbon. And I, I was given notes on it and told this was a very high-end whiskey and all of this stuff. And I was very impressed with it. And I remember my tasting notes on this. And you might think that's really bizarre, but it's there's a few things in my early career that sparked what I'm doing right now, 20-plus um, years later. And I remember every part of it. And I remember just thinking that it was very smooth. And there was nice sweetness to it. And then I got baking spices and a little bit of cereal and then lots and lots of citrus fruit and some apricot and really feeling impressed by this. So fast forward to today. (laughs) I wouldn't touch this whiskey with a 10-foot pole because there's no need for it, in my opinion. My palate has moved way beyond this whiskey. Um... I I respect it for its longevity. I respect it for its consistency. Um, As a whiskey um, in the market for so long, I certainly respect the distillery, but I think it is just pretty much low-end whiskey. And I am talking about Jameson. Oh, (laughs) Jameson. That's not where I thought you were going with this. No, not me either. So half of you have passed out by now. Some of you are literally signing <laughs> off, listening to the show. Some of you are writing me hate mail. Bring it. Bring Jameson. it. Can I it. say who I what I thought you were talking about? Tell me. I thought you were going to take make a King Diamond tie-in and you go with Crown Royal. Oh, God, I would never. <laughs> I am going to make a King Diamond tie-in, but not with fucking Crown Can Royal. Can I say what I thought you were going to do, honestly? Yes. Yes, uh, what? the Irish whiskey you love, Sextant or Sextant. But she likes that. I've already done Sextant before. I, I already know, did that. But on I the show. figured it's kind of a good pairing. But anyway, yeah. No, Continue. I, I. Well, I'm going to explain why, and Continue. I don't want to give too much away though about how I feel. Well, because we're going to get into my feelings on the band. But here's the reason I chose it. Really, is because. When I first was introduced to this whiskey, like I said, I, it was a revelation to me. I was not familiar with Irish whiskey. I was not familiar with a malt whiskey. Um, it was something new. It was, and, and you're gonna you find this a lot with new whiskey drinkers. What they start off with, and then sometimes I give them a year. Depends. It could be quicker than that, and they'll go, "Oh, I don't really like the taste of that anymore." With their starter whiskey, and I'm like, "Yeah, because your palate changes and grows, right?" Just like when we're kids and we start drinking beer, nobody's like, oh, I'll have that uh, craft IPA, please. <laughs> nobody's drinking that shit. They're like, give me Bud Light or Miller yeah. Light or whatever the hell's cheap and, 
you know, palatable as with, with a young palate. Um, and then you're hopefully if, you know, <laughs> hopefully if you're doing the right things, your palate changes and <laughs> progresses over the years and you recognize that that beer isn't the yummy stuff you thought it was. Um, and it's the same with this. And it's similar to my feelings about the band. Um, how I felt about the band when I was young and how I feel about it now. Um, you know, we, especially Ed and I will talk about albums like, oh, you know, that album did not age well, or that album did really age well. We have the same feelings about it as we did when we were young or we don't. And um, that's why I went with Jameson. Uh, if you're a lover of Jameson, I would say to you, uh, try Redbreast. Um, I would say try uh, Spot Whiskies. I would say even more so, uh, pick up a bottle of Tullamore Dew Caribbean cask um, instead, because I think you're going to get more out of the flavor profile. Um, now, I'm not talking about all their special reserves and their casks and all that shit. Um, but yeah, the regular, just standard Jameson just doesn't do it for me. Yeah, I've got a, uh, a Jameson uh, drinker in my household. Wow, so I guess folks don't even listen to part two of this series because we just found out how Sailor feels about this whole thing right now. Kind of, kind Jeez, of, but not wow. really. I didn't trash the whiskey though. I just said I don't care for it anymore. Okay, so let's talk about what I'm drinking tonight. See, <laughs> we're I knew we were going to need a chaser. So the good chaser is that the wonderful whiskey obsessor sent me something that made me do four or five fist bump air fist right <laughs> and that is the balcones single malt single oh barrel God. that's Ooh. a total wine pick i'm assuming it's your total wine yes yes see he's doing like 50 no, just, 50 <laughs> fist fist bumps. Bumps. no matt's doing the Man. fist bumps forever i'm gonna do double me. ones like it <laughs> This, okay, if you know, you guys know if you listen to the show, we're huge Balcones fans. Um, well, we should, pron so we should pronounce it properly. I go back and forth on this shit because sometimes people don't know what the hell I'm talking about. Balcones, um, they're a Texas distillery and they are on the single malt, American single malt revolution and do an incredible job at it. And who picked this, Matt? Because this is... Oh my god! I will say, obviously, it was not me, but um, they have a pretty good percentage of good barrel picks. I will say there are very few that I've had that haven't been really delicious, but this one is the best one they've ever done, at least from what I've tasted. I have to tell you that, especially when I added a little water to open it up, the amount of so you know how when we are tasting whiskey and we say I get some chocolate or I get some coffee. You're really talking about an essence of it, not usually an actual flavor of it. This has chocolate coffee on the front, the middle, the back, the finish, the throat, all of it. Like actual chocolate coffee. It's unbelievable. With delicious. water? You added water to it? Yes, I added a few. I always do. when. Okay. On my second taste, so I can open it up. And, but I got that on the first taste. The coffee is the most upfront thing I get in this. And, and for the listeners who are familiar with the regular Balcones uh, Texas Single Malt, it's a probably 52%. God. 
This one that Sailor's drinking is actually 65%. It's a big Ooh. whiskey. It's a big, 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 big whiskey. That's yes. why I add water to it. So yeah. I can, you know, the second, I really want to get at the at those flavors and I want all those oil beads to break open. But the after the coffee, the chocolate coffee, there's so much um, banana fosters and apricot and dried fruits yes. and grape like uh like a welch's like the smell of that welch's grape juice you yes. used to get as a kid the big Not the thing taste for, of it but the smell the, of it the big thing for me before before adding water before adding water to it was the orchard fruit so you got the apricot i got See, the apricot i got that I got the chocolate coffee first before anything yeah but even before I to added me, water to me, to me, what's that? What stood out was the apricot peach kind of hmm. ripe white oh, orchard fruit. White yeah. peach, yeah, white peach. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, um, it's the smell of all that like white peach juice or whatever the hell. Yeah, and, and there's like jam in there too, like a marmalade. Mm-hmm. I guess that's the, the banana fosters and the marmalade sometimes can be the same flavor. Um, okay, I'll lot, go back to it again because lots yeah. of caramel, but that co- chocolate coffee is right there, right there, it's up right, front. W- right there with everything, and it it does not, it it's a it's a it lingers in a lovely way. It's not. This is what's so amazing about uh, smaller distilleries when they can capture very complex flavors. Because although I'm saying, oh, this chocolate coffee, chocolate coffee, it's not taking over the flavor of everything else. I don't know how the hell you taste peach and white grape along with chocolate coffee and one doesn't cancel out the other, but it's <laughs> happening on my palate and that's just what's happening. And again, it's not, it's not an old whiskey. It's Mm-mm. not, it's not old by, Mm-mm. by any stretch Mm-mm. of the imagination. I mean, it's probably a year and a half, maybe two years old, two years maybe. And the, but yeah. they use smaller barrels too. So. Yes. Yes. Yeah. But again, this goes back to things we've talked about in the past terroir, you know where where they age their barrels and their their climate and their the barley they're using and their water and oh just freaking incredible! Thank you so much for sending this to me. It is one of the best things I've tasted in a really really long time, other than what I tasted last week at Seattle Cocktail Week. What did I taste, Matt? Now I can't remember the name of it. Uh, Lafroy, wasn't it? Lagavulin. um, It was a Lagavulin. Old, like 1950s era Lagavulin. Yes. And I'm not a Lagavulin fan. I've probably said that several times on the show already. Um, I was at an event and I was about to speak um, about Uncle Nearest and the women behind our brand. And um, the gentleman before me was from Lagavulin, and he had done a, a really cool, complex sensory class, which I wish I could have attended. I wanted to attend it so bad. Um, and so he had leftover samples. He's like, you want to try this? It's like from the 1950s. It's like a blend. And I was like, what? <laughs> when I tasted it, I was like, what am I tasting? It was amazing. So amazing. Yeah. So, so not stuff. all not all band aids, huh? No, that what, did I not say that instantly when I texted you? You I didn't did. get any you did. any band aid or, or <laughs> wet sock. <laughs> I give you credit for trying. 
Good job. I, I you you know I will always try it. Of I course, will yeah. Never. You always, I will never. You always, always give it a fair shake. Yes. Yes, always because I'm hopeful. Just like every time someone drinks an IPA beer around me, and I smell it, and I'm like, oh my god, this one's gonna taste good, and I take a sip of it, and it's horrific to my palate. But so I wait, try you, every have time. You, have you ever had? Not to get off the beaten path, but have you ever had an IPA that you enjoyed? No, never. Any, never one, really? Never, wow. no. Wow. I think I have an allergy that, to one of the yeah. hops. Um, it, it's we we. I discussed this with the brewer at the former brewery I worked at last, I don't even know, two years ago. And he was talking about that. You know how people get soap from cilantro? Yeah. Yeah. They literally taste soap. It's an allergy. And mm. I think, so there's a couple of, ho- there's a hops family where they're starting to think certain people have like one of those mouth allergies to it where you taste something totally different. I get like the smell of cat pee. I, I don't know how else to describe it. It's ammonia. literally like, the, it's ammonia and then like pine cones. Okay. But imagine if you licked a pine cone. That doesn't sound appealing, right? That sounds like no. it would be really gross. And, That's what yeah. it tastes like to me. And I've tried so many of them. I've tried hmm. Every style, like I keep trying them because they smell so fucking good. But then when they hit my palate, I feel it's like I get fooled every time. Yeah. Like and you I, I got assume, me again. I assume you've had the lower ABV IPAs, like session Ooh. IPAs, and all that yep. stuff, right? Yep. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Every, because everybody, yeah. that's what they say to me. Oh, you got to try this one or try that, and I'm always like, okay. I'll try it. Like, yeah, let's do it. Because I want it to taste like it smells, but it never does. Interesting, because you know they don't all use the same hops in every. I know, you know that's RPA. why. It's, so it's weird. Yeah, I that's found why that it's out because family. Yeah, it was the first couple of IPAs I tried. I did not care for at all. So I was completely turned off for IPA to IPAs for the longest time, until I decided someone gave me a sample of. Uh, there's a local brewery here called Brickstone. They have one called Hop Skip. Like, wow, this isn't too bad. And from then, I tried a different one. Oh, this is pretty good too. And I've been finding out that, yeah, there are actually a lot of them out there I do enjoy. I'll occasionally run across one that I don't care for, but um, it's like whiskey. You know, there's. Yep. Very true. So being in Goose Island's backyard, you know, you're not a Goose Island fan? Um, I don't care for Goose Island IPA. No. That's one of them I don't care for. Gotcha. But um, it, before we get out of off this topic, one more <laughs> thing I'm very excited about. Um, I just found out they announced that my local craft distillery, go support your craft distilleries. Yes. Um, Whiskey Acres is releasing finally their first bottled in bond. Ooh, it's gonna exciting! Be a four year um bottled in bond bourbon on april 4th i believe is their release date so i am excited oh that's very exciting Send and that's a, what a what a proud moment for a craft distillery uh, it's such a feat to be able to survive that long and fund yourself for that long and um you know also craft those barrels and they're good and they're something you mm-hmm. can release that's really really exciting um, that's amazing good for them Awesome. Great stuff. Well, I'm done. Let's talk about music. Let's do it. Hey, 
about merciful fate tonight. Uh, for you listeners, as Ed mentioned previously in the show, uh, Merciful Fate is a Danish band. They were called a heavy metal band. They're from Copenhagen, and uh, they were formed in 1981 by King Diamond. Um, I mentioned him earlier on the show, the entity, the overlord, King Diamond. Mm-hmm. Um And at the time they would go, sometimes they were called progressive rock. Sometimes they were called hard rock. Um, But we look back now and uh, they are considered to be the first wave of black metal, Mm. Uh, which I would have to agree with that. If you, especially going back and like really listening, that is, they are definitely the influence for what modern black metal is for, for sure. Um. So uh, they had seven studio albums. Um, Merciful Fate is one of the, f- they're a foundation of heavy metal worldwide for sure. Um, and then King Diamond went on to have a solo career. Um, and he did that kind of after and then with and then during and then post Um they, he's kind of weaved in and out of Merciful Fate for yeah, a very, very long time. Their original run, their original run was not very long. So, I mean, they were no. maybe four or five years before yeah. they disbanded. Yeah, um, and then he did his own thing. And they did his own thing. And then, like Sailor said, they came back, they went out, they came back, they went out. And yeah, yeah they still get together every once in a while, so... And he's been a performer since 1974. So um, he's been doing this a really, really long time. Yes, he has. Um, And he's just, he is, if you're not a King Diamond fan, if you're not knowledgeable about him, he is considered a metal god um, for serious metal heads, especially those that are into death metal or black metal or speed metal or very old metal, not very old. I shouldn't say very old, but old metal heads, meaning metal heads from the seventies and eighties. He is, he, you know, absolutely up on the pedestal. Um, so if you, (laughs) if you look into, you can't talk about merciful fate without talking about King diamond, which, um, you know, we're going to kind of go back and forth here a little bit, but uh, there are a lot of, there are a lot of really interesting things about him that made him very polarizing, but also um, I think makes him last through time. He seems to be this kind of untouched figure that doesn't necessarily step into the mainstream, which probably protects him, <laughs> um, but isn't really unseen either. Uh Great point. He, um, he's not one. He, okay, let's put it this way. He's not an Ozzy Osbourne where, you know, he, Ozzy Osbourne got his start in Black Sabbath and it was really um, this like, well, let's create this atmosphere around the band. Let's let's talk about horror movies and things like that. And that's going to kind of create our shtick for you know our atmosphere or our theme um but you know ozzy's has no interest in the dark arts or yeah um satan or you know any of that bullshit yeah, it's yeah. just a it's a stage thing you know i mean ozzy you know for all intents and purposes i guess you could say these guys were kind of peers kind of 
I guess. I mean, Ozzy had done his thing already up until 81. He was going solo when Merciful yeah. Fate was just starting. But uh, what to piggy, piggyback on what you're saying, Sailor, uh, if this guy were Ozzy or had Ozzy's level of fame, uh, he would have been crucified a lot worse for the things that... Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yes. God, yeah. I yes. mean, crucified is not even... Not even he the would have right been word. Shut, his yeah. career would have been shut down. Done, done, done. Done, done, and done. We wouldn't even be talking about him. I mean, imagine Ozzy was persecuted to the point of being... Um, I mean, he was brought up on charges of, of uh, being responsible for a suicide. I mean, yeah. get the fuck out of here. King Diamond would have gone, oh, my, they would have, who knows what they would have done to him. They would have burned him at the cross. Um, so it's, thank, it's, I hope he understands that, thank God he was kind of has been in the backstream, I guess he would say, for all this time. Um, now he's probably untouchable, but... Um, in the day, oh my lord! Now let me ask you a question. Um, do you think part of that is because maybe at the time, despite what was going on, people didn't look. People looked at him as more of a sideshow. Or do you think no one took him seriously? I think you know? he flew under the radar for a mainstream audience because I didn't never heard of him when I was in high school. Whoa, what? Are you serious? Seriously. Wow. Merciful Fate was, I mean, it was because all of our metal, sorry, all of our, the guys that we love, Matt, um, Ed, they would cite him all the time. And Merciful Fate is like, oh, yeah, Merciful Fate or King Diamond. And And so that's why I was like, oh, who's this? You know? Yeah, well, of course, at the time, I had no idea who Testament was or Exodus, all those guys who are like, you know, the founders of, you know, the metal scene today. Um, But, you know, I can't help but laugh every time I see this guy. The only, you know, who I think of is, remember uh, the movie Live and Let Die? Yes. The bear, like the Baron Samiti. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. The the voodoo voodoo guy. That's really, yeah. Yeah. The voodoo guy. That's That's that's, all I can picture when I watch this guy. So let's just get, I want to get something out of the way. I think we should do it right here and now. Let's just, let's just attack this head on, get it out of the way. Let's talk about the fact that King Diamond is actually a Satanist. Who could it be? Who could it be? I just can't imagine who. Could it be Satan? And let's just talk about what that actually means. So I went down a huge freaking rabbit hole on Satanism. I know a lot about it because I'm very, very, very interested in organized religion. I did not grow up with it and I don't believe in it for myself, but I do believe everybody has the right to their own personal spirituality and beliefs. Um, I, I think I was, thank God, raised, uh, that was funny, thank God. Um, I was raised that there, <laughs> there's no, like, I don't know, whatever people believe is what they believe, and there's no oogie boogie and anything to be worried about, basically. So there, I, I was never like, oh, no, the devil is so scary. I was always, I just thought it was fake, oogie like boogie. everything else. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I used to say to my sister's kids, the oogie boogie. Um, So, okay. So in every religion, there are sects, right? S-E-C-T-S. 
you know, there's different types of Catholicism, there's different types of Christianity, there's different types of Orthodox, um, you know, there's Buddhism and there's Judaism and it's the same thing with Satanism. So you have paganism and you have Wiccan and Satanism has different sects. So um, King Diamond has been a Levian Satanist for most of his life. That is what he prescribes his spiritual spiritual philosophy to. So, if you would, if you want to go down this really really interesting rabbit hole, I would suggest just do a Google search of Levian after Anton Levay, very famous. If you don't know who he is good reads good good reads um so uh i don't particularly like the anton levey type of satanism i think it is for myself personally i think it is a um, reaction to religion and for me a reaction to anything doesn't hold a lot of water for me i think Uh, when you find something that speaks to you spiritually because a You've had experiences in the world and you've been allowed to decide for yourself and you've been allowed to ask questions and do research and you really find what speaks to you on your own terms and not as a reaction to anything else. I would tend to think that is probably the most authentic way to have spiritual beliefs. Again, this is my own um, perspective. So it's like the angel's envy of Satanism. No. <laughs> or the, or the uh, yeah, whistle pig of Satanism. Nah. Oof. Oof. Well, uh, that's a little. Might have pissed off rough. some li- listeners there. Ooh, Sorry. Oh man, we're loose. They're gonna be like dropping like flies. Oh, bada bang. Sorry, whiskey so, Nate. I like you a lot. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> whiskey Nate's a good guy. Whiskey Nate um, is a fantastic. Yeah, man. and he. Yes. By the way, he was out there helping big time in Nashville. Yes. Need to have him on the show. Like, and, yeah, and he yeah, is on, and and not like helping financially, but he is on the ground. No, no, he was on the ground physically. Out. Yes, blood, sweat, and tears. Yes, yeah, yes. and help financially. And he's he yeah. really risks yes. a lot to do yes. that right now. So yep. yeah. Um, okay, so let's talk about what what is Satanism? I, most people think it means <laughs> you worship the devil and you're going to be sacrificing animals and babies and people and and you're bad and you're evil and you're awful and you want everything to die and you you have hate in your heart. That's a bunch of bullshit. Um, because I could say the same thing about so many religions in the world. Actually, I could say the same thing about almost every religion other than Buddhism. <laughs> So, you know, we had Christian crusades that were, you don't even want to know. I mean, the the Catholics were literally, uh, what do they call it? Quartering people. Like, what what did they call it? Drawn and quartered? Drawn and quartering. I didn't really realize what that really meant until uh, it was depicted in a show. Yeah. Yeah. you know, uh, you know, quote unquote, Christians were burning witches at the stake, you know, women because little girls said that they were witches. Like, so everybody get get a fucking grip. Yeah. Before I get into crucible this. shit, like real. Exactly. Yeah. It's every religion has ridiculousness to it. Um, so really to be a Satanist means you don't believe in a, in a, in any type of God or demigod. You just believe in the earth and what you can see, feel, touch, and that's it. 
right? Um, very similar. It's sort of, it's, it's an offshoot of paganism. Um, you know, but it's going off of that, it seems kind of an odd name to name your religion who doesn't believe in some kind of a spiritual figurehead after a spiritual figurehead. Okay, that's a rabbit hole we could get into, but we should <laughs> yes. save that because you're actually incorrect if you know your Bible. So that that gets that discussion gets real interesting because I went down that exact rabbit hole, Ed. I thought the same thing. I was like, wait a minute. If you don't believe in a debt, okay, but they have an explanation for it, which is pretty fucking spot on. So I'm just trying to sum it up for the purposes of the show. So let's just say you just really believe in. Okay, so if you don't believe in there's anything after this, then you need to do your best while you're here, right? You need to experience the most, do the best, have everything you can while you are here, because this is your only shot at any type of life or, or experiences, right? Whether they be physical, uh, mental, emotional, or spiritual. That's the base of Satanism. LaVey Satanism is a whole other thing. Um if you are familiar with Friedrich Nietzsche and Ayn Rand, uh, this is very interconnected to Satanism. And um, really, they go a little bit too far, in my opinion, to th- believing, you know, not everyone deserves kindness. Only people that show kindness deserve kindness. So they're basically saying not everyone is good at, the, at their core. You have to I have to see that you're good to believe you're good. And I've got to agree with that a little bit. Um, you know, I think science has told us, for example, serial killers are uh, <laughs> serial killers at a very, very young age. So that can shake that belief that at the core, we're all good and you have to be turned into something bad. Uh, I don't know about that. Um you know, do you deserve kindness and I'll give you kindness? I kind of feel like, yeah, that's something to that. Mm-hmm. Um but there's also like, you know, uh, living life to suck the most out of every experience possible, um, no matter how it affects others. And, and, and that sounds very uh, dramatic the way I'm saying it, but you hopefully you get my meaning. Absolutely. Um, a bit more of a selfish perspective, selfish approach to life is kind of like sure. that. And if there's no afterlife, that makes total sense, right? right. D- doesn't that make complete sense? It, yeah, it would there's be no, um, no consequences, basically. Uh, not no, not consequences. So, for example, um, and and I don't want to get the FBI and the CIA CIA on us, but so <laughs> the 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 thought process behind a lot of things, like like a famous quote, "Religion is the opiate of the masses." So just think, try to think about that for a minute. If you are asking people to spend their life working for a wage that will never ever, them, ever give them any quality of life, how do you get them to not revolt against that? How do you convince millions of people to get up every day and work in dangerous, horrific jobs where they will never make enough money to retire comfortably or ever get out of poverty, right? Like factory jobs, coal miners, you know, they're really just sustaining at the, they're on the edge all the time of sustaining a basic existence, right? Mm -hmm. They do that because they believe there's a reward in the afterlife. They know there's no reward here. That's clear to them, right? 
<laughs> that that's for sure because their father toiled their grandfather toiled they toiled think of a caste system right you have no hope of getting out of this this horrible life well how do you what if they all talk to each other and go yeah what the fuck well this dude who owns this factory is living high on a hog and we can barely feed our kids even though we work 12 hours a day how do you get them to not revolt well there's something better in the afterlife how do you refute that you can't refute it no right you can't refute it okay so imagine that doesn't exist so then why toil in the factory why not rise up against the one man that if he only gave 10% more, he could still be wealthy and everybody else could live comfortably. They wouldn't have to necessarily stop doing their job at his factory, but they could live a better life, right? Wouldn't you go for that if there's no afterlife? You fucking certainly would. <laughs> and so that's kind of the basics of um, parts of Satanism. And then there are also sects of Satanism that just believe in everything about the earth. So the more we protect our environment, the healthier we will be. That we are in tune because we come from the dirt and we end in the dirt. In the dirt. So that's a part of it as well, which paganism, pagans and, and Wiccans believe in as well. Although they have uh, deities and demigods. So I just thought it was important for us to attack that because it is a huge part of the themes in merciful fate and king diamond what king diamond believes what he has brought to his um theatrics and stage presence but he literally lives it it is not an act (laughs) i mean yeah i I did not know yes and you know bravo to you sailor i will say for going just that one inch below the surface to at least do a little bit more digging on that but I think as soon as you know the vast majority of people who will see the word Satanism or even Satan will just gloss over that and kind of uh, put it into a box on the side, I guess. Um, but you know, to talk about it from a musical perspective or from a music industry perspective, when you think about it in a broader picture, it's so hard to believe that this guy did not get the same flack as other people that were releasing music at the yeah. same time. Yeah, because and he's I have to, legitimately, yeah. He, yeah he and did. I have to cite Slayer as one example as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. As yep. these guys yep. were singing about the occult and singing about Satanism and singing about the yeah. Holocaust. And these were things that interested the band members, not something yep. that they believed in, something they had read books about and had done the research on. But they had gotten so much flack about it and here's King Diamond on the side saying, oh, hey, I paint my face and I have like real human bones on my microphone. As my literally yes. real human and a real human skull. Yep. Yes. And it's like, yep. and I believe in this stuff. I live it. Yep. It's something that I actually follow. And my music's not as popular, maybe. And no one pays attention. It, right. it's, it's amazing. Um, which lends me to say what I said before about, you know, maybe people just thought it was a... a like an act but right, it's not it's right. not an act it's like the dude and i'll talk about no, that it, later when we get into yes. our album battle yeah no uh, you're and you're absolutely right and yeah. so here so the reason that i um when i delved into this one of the reasons i wanted to talk about it is you know so uh, it, here here's some interesting things as much as i do not agree with the anton levey teachings because Again, this is just some fucking guy 
and I don't believe some fucking guy should be creating any religion. No. Any and, and we're like we're all the same. Like Agreed. everybody poops, everybody <laughs> just we it, we're all the fucking same. I'm sorry. So one of here's one of the things I do like though about uh, these religions is that there were homosexuality was never condemned. Asexuality was never condemned. Um, these people were some of the first. You mentioned the Holocaust, um, Matt, th- the first to stand up during these times and say, "What are you fucking nuts? Like, no, we're not going to persecute people because they happen to." you know, uh, uh, pray to a different God. Are you crazy? Because they look different. You know, a- anyone, what, no matter what they looked like, whether they were men or women, were all accepted and to be equal. However, there's a caveat to that. And the caveat is that, the Anton LaVey thing. He never denounced um, things like child molestation and non-consensual sex and things like that. And there were a lot of talks about these grottos he created in the 60s, uh, um, sorry, in the 30s and 40s, where supposedly these things had gone on. I say, I should say allegedly, not supposedly. Um, so the, things like that disturb me a little bit and worry me because, again, human being, flawed human. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but like everything else, there are good things and there are bad things. And to say you don't have to be guilty and feel like you're condemned to hell because you masturbate, like every fucking human being on the planet probably or most human beings, I agree with things like that. Saying women are equal, um, I agree with things like that. So it, you can find the positive points in everything and you can find negative in every religion. So I just wanted to make sure that if anyone while they're listening to this podcast goes out and does a, does some research and oh my god king dime is an actual satanist please do a little more research and don't just go oh fuck this guy he's crazy he's a why why would the people on metal rock and whiskey be talking about an actual satanist just understand what satanism is so that's that's why I wanted to like get that out of the way before we start because you cannot talk about him or merciful fate without this being brought up. It's impossible. Unlike with Ozzy, we made fun of it, we moved away from it. He makes fun of it, you know, and we could we could move along. Same thing with Slayer. Same thing with Black Sabbath. We had we you know, we touched on these things because to, it was just themes, it was a show, it was a theme, it was whatever. Not the case for King Diamond. So, yeah. That's my spiel on that. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll say something very quick. As Sailor said at the beginning of the show, not the beginning, but in the middle of the show, um, Merciful Fate was formed in Copenhagen, where our favorite person is from. <laughs> Mars. No. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. So needless to say that this was one of his favorite bands growing up, I'm sure. Um, <laughs> I don't this- think so. No, they actually didn't meet till later later on in their career. Okay. <laughs> I was I trying to make know. a connection, I'm, but I don't I know. I don't no, know. you're right. You're probably right. Well, Metallica both had, from, okay, Metallica had a lot of we'll Metallica that. had a lot of influence from Merciful Fate. So But they're kind that. of happening at the same time a little bit. They though. are kind of. So, yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, they end up they end up having a connection later on though. Yes, so, they do. Yeah. Um, but this band, Merciful Fate, that is, um, led by King Diamond, was actually formed from an earlier band. And we love talking about earlier band names on the show. A punk rock metal band. Yes. And they were called the Brats. 
the breath. I mean, this is totally not what I would picture King Diamond Not with singing. a Z, right? Yes. Can you imagine? No! No! <laughs> <laughs> you can tell who had daughters. <laughs> God, that's really good. The breath. But they all have, like, big lips and huge eyes. <laughs> Hello, I am King Diamond, and this is Zabratz. <laughs> And that is exactly how he talks, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> I know. Spot on. Um, I'm always trying to do better impressions than Jake and Ed, and I never succeed. But thank you, Matt. <laughs> um, did you know that they were told to stop singing in English? Really? I did you know, not know that. Yes, they literally were told, don't fucking sing in English, because you guys sound like shit. it was i think it was their for their first album their the first time they were signed and um they were i think they were demanded as well because they said that you you're never going to be commercial well they said fuck you and i guess they were right i will also say that i did read that one of the first things they recorded for the record company was a cover of led zeppelin's immigrant song which I want to fucking hear that. All right, that was just gonna say. Oh, can you he imagine? Nail the, he could nail the oh, screaming totally part at the beginning. Could. Yes, he could nail all. Well, we're gonna get into his voice later, but oh yeah. my god! But what I'm saying that, is that I I'm want with you. To hear I want to hear that. Me too. Yes. Me too. Yes. First of all, that's my favorite all-time song of Zeppelin, and everybody hopefully knows how I feel about Zeppelin. Although. Um, if we can ever get Jake back on the show, we're going to have to revisit our Zeppelin battle. Um, I would love to hear that. Just the themes, like what what the lyrics are to that song. Oh, my God. Like who better than King Diamond to sing that? Oh, yeah. I would love to hear that. Damn it. Considering the body of work, I'm thinking that's if you're going to if you're going to do a cover song or you know, do that as your first kind of introduction to a record company. What better song to do? A guy mm-hmm. that can actually sing it and make I know, right? Yeah, and do it justice. But um yeah, so I mean they had a very short initial run, as we said before, four years, five years. They released three albums. So we had um their debut album, uh, which was Melissa, which we will get into. <sighs> In our which album is, which what is Melissa about? Because it ties into, I, I know everybody thinks I went on this diatribe about Satanism religion, but there is a reason. So Melissa's about a witch that was burned at the stake unjustly, yes. as they all were. Yes. Just wanted to put that out there to tie it in. I'm not that crazy, guys. Just a little bit. So uh, yes. And, yes, and they af- after Melissa, 1983, they released Don't Break the Oath in 1984. And we get to 1985, and of course, uh, I mean, every show we do, there's some (laughs) kind of argument or musical differences between people in the band. So we have it here, probably earlier than what you may have thought, but um, Hank Sherman, the lead guitarist, and King Diamond were not seeing eye to eye. Hank wanted them to go more commercial. I could not see King doing that. Um, (laughs) No. So... He's like, you know what? Fuck this. And he left and, yep. you know, it ended up going on his own and starting King Diamond, the band. So 
Very short initial run. Very short, but they are now... You, I don't think most people even... I don't know. I don't know if they... I think if most people heard a Merciful Fate album, they're King Diamond fans, they're like, oh, that's King Diamond. They don't even call it Merciful Fate anymore. Correct. Yes. So, kind of like Ozzy Osbourne. Ab- you heard. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Black Sabbath, it'd be just Ozzy. Yep. Well, we have an album battle, but uh, damn, I'm sorry, guys. We, it's probably my fault, but we are way over time. Uh, we appreciate you guys listening to us talk about some pretty serious things like the coronavirus and the Nashville tornado early on in the show. And we went down some rabbit holes on whiskey and on Satanism. (laughs) This is a good show. (laughs) So we're going to have to save the rest of the discussion about Merciful Fate and King Diamond for our next episode where we will do the album battle. And I can't wait to hear what Ed really thinks about this band. <laughs> Just Ed. <laughs> I already know how you feel about it, Matt. Because yeah. we're the ones that wanted to do this. <laughs> it's true. Ed, did you get your Elijah Craig? Elijah Craig is in the next room and will be coming out. <laughs> it's got the holy water ready with the <laughs> freaking thing that, you know. Wait, you can't use holy water right now because of the coronavirus. <laughs> oh. I'm not kidding. I saw that on the internet and I was like, hey, doesn't that just dispel the whole argument right there? Boom! There you go, organized religion. <laughs> if your holy water isn't safe during a virus, how the fuck is it holy water? Bing! And we lost all of our religious listeners. Not that there were that many to begin with, but yeah. I don't think so. I think you're right. Anyway, we're going to shut the fuck up now and go to the closing. Matt, get us out of here. All right. So thank you for listening as always. Uh, as always, we hope you enjoyed this as much as we did. We always have a blast doing these shows, but you know, as we do, you know, this is for you. So hashtag MRW for you. So this is what we do for oh, I you. I like that. Yes. That's so nice. I've been doing that. You haven't been paying attention. All right. Anyway. Nope. All right. <laughs> uh, please join. Uh, ask to join our Facebook group. Uh, find us on Twitter as well at, as well at Metal Rock Whiskey. Uh, and please join us next time. You can find me on Instagram at the Whiskey Obsessor. That is Whiskey Save the E. Or at Wrestling with Respect. Sailor. I am Sailor Retro all over the internet. And guess what, guys? We have a new show on the network. Have you heard about Pound the Rock? Yeah. I am so excited. It is my whiskey brother from Uncle Nearest, um, Richie Michaels, who's our national brand ambassador. We together have created a show to talk about the fastest growing independent spirits brand in the country, making history every day. And I'm one of the people helping making that happen. And we have a lot of fun. Um, First episode is up and a second one will be coming out soon. So check that out right here on the Spirit of Rock Network. Ed? Sounds exciting. You won't find me pounding rocks, but you will find me (laughs) at Bourbon Geek on Instagram. (laughs) Pounding rocks. Pounding the rock. Fuck you, Lars. Pounding rocks. (laughs) Oh, wait, Metal Rock of Whiskey. It's about geology, right? <laughs> That's right. Yeah.
Yeah. Pounding well, rocks. not really. <laughs> well, well, you won't find me pounding rocks either, but I pound <laughs> the rock every day. I'm not All even right. drunk either. What the fuck just happened? Yeah. So, but anyway, hey, listeners, if you love us or even just like us, hit that subscribe button. Give us a review. It really matters to us. And of course, tune in next week for another episode of Metal Rock and Whiskey, where we will be doing battle with Satan. Ha 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 